live, live, live. We're live. I think we're live. We should be live. Hope we're live. What's up, beautiful people? Hunter Homestuck here, GM at 247 Fighting Championships, with another beautiful edition of the Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast. This is my radio voice I'm trying out for you guys. I hope you like it. <laughs> um, we got a different kind of show today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pretty stoked about it. I will say there's a big UFC pay-per-view tomorrow. UFC 278 Saturday. Kamaro Usman versus Leon Edwards. What a banger. And a welterweight title fight. You know, title fights are always awesome. Ever since GSP left the sport. Sorry, Luke. Didn't mean to trigger you. Luke Payson, our amazing commentator, is obsessed with GSP. So, sorry I had to remind you of that, Luke. He's gone. He's not coming back. Kamaru has successfully taken that throne and kind of run with it. The dude is looking borderline unstoppable. A lot of people are saying Kamaru might be the best of all time. We'll see. We'll see. He's got a good test Saturday against Leon Edwards. And I like it. I like the matchup. I'm just messaging our guest. We've got MMA junkies Nolan King joining the show here shortly. So I had to hire a pro. You know, ever since I took over as GM at 247, I haven't been as into UFC. And I don't mean that I don't like it as much. I still love it. I still love UFC fights and watching UFC events and following the UFC. But I just I don't know the ins and outs like I used to. I used to be obsessed. I used to read every article, I used to watch every video, see every tweet, every Instagram post, every this, every that. I used to not miss a thing in the UFC world, and now I miss a lot. So I had to hire the big guns, had to bring in MMA junkies Nolan King. So Nolan, for those of you who don't know, has been working for MMA Junkie for quite some time now, definitely made a name for himself as one of the best young journalists, and he may not even be that young anymore. I'm so used to calling him like this young journalist up and coming, but I think he's pretty much just arrived at this point. Might be doing him a bit of a disservice by referring to him like, yeah, he's pretty good for as young as he is. Like, no, the dude's just good. He's just established. Just call it what it is. Dude's an amazing reporter, good writer, does everything extremely well, very multifaceted, very into the prospects as well, which is something that I really like. He's very, you know, he's not just chasing headlines. I was trying to think of the right way to say that. And I think that's the best way I can put it. You know, you know, you guys know the kind of writer that I'm talking about that just chases headlines that just wants them page views and reactions and wants to stir things up. There's a balance between doing that and being talented and doing the right thing, reporting well, having some journalistic integrity. And look, I'll be the first to say it. You can go too far on the other side, too. There's also journalists that are so by the book that they're boring and nobody wants to read them. And it's just this like vanilla Channel 5 at, at 6 p.m. news report, you know, that nobody cares about. So there's definitely a balance. And I think Nolan hits that extremely well. So I'm excited to have Nolan on the show. Nolan actually used to write for me when I was over at Flow Combat. I was editing Flow Combat with my dude, Dwayne Finley. We were kind of running the show there. Nolan was one of the guys that we had that was a huge part of the team when we were, you know, kind of at our peak doing our best work. Nolan was an extremely big part of that. So he was a guy that I don't know. I don't even think he had much experience at that time. But I'll tell you what, the dude hit the ground running and 
took off with it, just a natural with journalism and with everything. I mean, he's great. If you guys don't know Nolan's work, I'll throw it up on the screen here for you real quick. Let me pull up his profile, his little Twitter page. Here's Nolan on Twitter. As you can see, pretty awesome. He does great work at MMA underscore, underscore Kings. So go follow Nolan. He's going to be joining the show here shortly. Um, great young reporter, 17,000 followers. The dude is definitely making a name for himself and doing awesome work there for MMA Junkie. It's unfortunate that he's from Boston. So you'll have to forgive him for that. He's not perfect. You know, the kid does. I called him the kid again. I got I to stop that. He's a, he's a grown man now, Hunter. He is a grown man <laughs> from Boston. It's a shame. It's just, a, it's just, you know, you can't help where you're from. I get it. He grew up in New England. He's all about New England sports and Boston sports. And I, you're allowed to be wrong. He's allowed to be wrong. He's not perfect. He does great work, but he's not perfect. So that's where we're at. And yes, that is a gallon of Diet Turner's tea that you just saw there. So listen, if you're not on the Diet Lemon Turner's train, our intern, Dylan Cole, who is amazing. We love Dylan as well. Dylan's doing awesome work for us. You've probably seen some of his videos and reels and things like that and maybe not even known it was him. But we got Dylan helping us out. He goes to Pitt right now. So he's killing it. He had the audacity the other day to say that Schneider's tea was better than Turner's and Schneider's is fine. It's fine. The carton, it's got an iconic look. I get it, but here's where Dylan went wrong. He never had diet lemon Turner's and everybody's going to say, Oh, diet. Why would you like diet? Everything is awful. Diet soda sucks. Diet this diet that it's all bad. No. Diet Turner's is better than full sugar Turner's. It's not as syrupy. It's not as cloying. It's not as just, it doesn't just stick in your mouth. It goes down smooth. Diet Lemon Turner's is such a treat that if you've never had it, I would urge you to just stop listening to the podcast, actually, which, as you know, I would never urge you to do that. But just stop and leave the house and go get some Diet Turner's because. If you've never had the Diet Lemon Turners, then you've pretty much never lived. How can I trust anything that you have to say about anything if you've never had Diet Lemon Turners? So we got Dylan about to join the show, and I'm just going to leave him in the waiting room to stew on this because it's, it's on him that he's never had Diet Lemon Turners until I told him to try it. So I'm here like housing an entire gallon. Let's see if we can bring him in. He's, in, he's at an amusement park. And I'm not sure how his connection is going to be, but we're about to we're about to try it out. Let's see. What's up, Dylan? What's up, Dylan Cole? How's it going? We're here live, Pittsburgh Combat Sports Podcast from Wildwater Kingdom in Allentown. <laughs> and I what? heard you were talking about the diet, and I gotta say, I just need guys like you around. How am I supposed to know? You need know, these paths for the, the non-born Yinzers out here. That's fair. You are from the wrong side of the state, and we don't hold that against you. We still love you nonetheless, but you you figure it out slowly. When you tried the diet turners, I think you changed your mind. I think I, I did convert you. 
Yeah, for sure. The the Schneiders, I liked the regular, but Turner's, I was like, ooh, this is the right amount of sweet. Exactly. Uh, TJ, oh, TJ Timbo. Schneider's tastes like maw and water. I don't know about, like, I don't disagree with Timbo on much either, and he's right to a degree that, like, if you're comparing it to Turner's, it does. But, I like, I wouldn't be mad if somebody just handed me some Schneider's tea. Like, I would drink it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine. It was great. Uh, I just, uh, I just got to unlock the new... It's like, how are you supposed to know? All right, so, like, Ryan was telling me he drank milk for 10 years, and then after that, he started doing IPAs. It's like, how are you supposed to open up to that world, you know? You need the gateway. You need the gateway drinks. I totally agree. You need that kind of introduction into the world. But I'm just happy that I could be the one to bestow diet turners upon you, man. That's awesome. It's probably one of my greatest accomplishments, really. Uh, you know, how many great accomplishments could you have anyway, right? right? But, uh, uh, I'm maxed out. Yeah, that's a blessing. God bless. Dude, for sure. Nice. So, Dylan, we got Nolan King from MMA Junkies going to be joining here any minute. So, we're going to break down UFC 278 with him while you're riding these rides and whatnot. All I'm going to ask before I get you out of here, because I don't want to take up too much of your time at the amusement park, is like, what is the best ride at Dorney Park? Like, what? why should somebody go to Dorney Park? Is it better than Kennywood? You're not allowed to say it's better than Kennywood, even if it is, for the record. This is this one's really going to break your heart. Never been to Kennywood yet. I'm booting I've you. I've seen it. I'm booting you, dog. I'm booting you off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It's Kennywood's such a staple, and I just haven't had the chance yet. All right. Well, let's go to the bar. But um, Dorney, if I my first. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say if I get to introduce you to Turner's Tea and Kennywood, like if I get to force you into both of those things, I've done my Yinzer duty for life. Like that's it. You did your Yinzer tour. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Your service. Yeah. So we actually we got Nolan. Backstage right now. Oh, he's breaking up. Dylan's oh, we losing you, dog. Keep him waiting, You're breaking up. We're breaking up just like Timbo said he would break up if somebody hands him a, turn, a Schneider's tea. So I'm going to kick Dylan out. I was glad that he could join for a second to enlighten the world on the beauties of Turner's tea. But we're going to get him out of here and let him get back to the rides and bring Nolan in. Nolan is here in waiting. Look at this guy just sitting there, just waiting right. for his chance yeah, to talk in the waiting room. All right. Catch you later, Dylan. Enjoy the rides, dude. All right. Nolan King. Oh, no. he. There he is. There he is. There you I were am. there. You were there. Then you weren't there. Now you're there again. What's up, dude? What is going on, man? It has been a minute, at least in this sort of capacity. I know we've uh, we've stayed in touch over the years since our flow combat adventure, but uh, yeah, it's great to be uh, on camera in the uh, the StreamYard Zoom sort of world that we live in now, huh? It's so stupid, man. I, I'm not a huge fan of this kind of conversation, to be honest. I like it. Like, obviously, it's better than not talking at all. But nothing beats face-to-face, in-person conversation still. So yeah, this works. No doubt, this, this works for now, but it's for sure not ideal. But I'm glad you could make it on, dude. Like, like we were kind of saying in the text, it's been way too long. 
for sure since we did something like this or talked about fights at all so what's new in your world man i have still follow you on twitter like you said we still keep in touch and stuff but you're just growing and growing and growing how what's life like as nolan king right now yeah it's good man i just uh i just moved uh, a couple of weeks ago to a new apartment so uh kind of a little switch there um so it's been hectic trying to uh trying to you know summer's closing down and i'm moving all sorts of shit in and out and obviously the ufc seems to stack their schedule in the summer as well so uh, it's been busy it's been busy time but i think i'm finally getting to the point where i can kind of like enjoy the the tail end of the summer here and uh, next week there's no event so it should be a little bit more laid back than the pay-per-view week but uh yeah nice. everything's good i have no complaints and uh Weather's beautiful here. And I heard, you know, Santa Claus hears everything that the kids do when they're wrong. I hear all the Boston slander that goes on. And just because I wasn't in that waiting room yet, I heard those comments that you made. But right now, man, there's no complaints about Boston. It's uh, it's beautiful weather here. This is like a really nice stretch of the year. I'm sure where you are as well. It's uh, it's pretty nice too down there in Pittsburgh. It is, man. It's beautiful right now in Pittsburgh. You got to love this kind of weather. It's kind of, it's a little humid today. It definitely can get on the humid side, but overall no complaints dude i'm just i'm looking at your profile here i got it pulled up on the screen for people watching the podcast the the amount like this is one thing that i'll always say about you like you're a grinder for sure but like a high quality grinder which is probably the most useful kind of writer that a site could have right like you're still putting out a ridiculous output but not sacrificing quality in the process so i'm just looking at it and it looks like you've done like six or seven articles just in the past 24 hours so what is for people out there who have never experienced it or never been on this side of things, what's it like covering a major pay-per-view like tomorrow's for an outlet like MMA Junkie? Like what what are these couple days like for you? Yeah, it's it's busy, man. You know, it's um we kind of have it down to a bit of a science where it's we know we know what the week's gonna provide before we even get in there, right? Like we know there's gonna be media day on Wednesday. We know there's gonna be probably a press conference on a Thursday. We know that on Friday is going to have weigh-ins in the morning and the ceremonials in the afternoon. And then obviously you have the fight. So we do have it kind of down to a science here. Um, it is, it is a grind, especially with the UFC schedule. I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that uh, even them adding just a few more events in each year has not been noticeable. It's been very noticeable. Um, it seems like these weeks that we have a week off, it's like, wow, this is like something that I forgot existed. So uh, the pay-per-view week's definitely a grind just because a lot of what we do is, is uh, you know, it's kind of two categories when it comes to like a media day, right? There's the, the big names that everybody's going to be interested in regardless of what they say. And then there's everybody else that maybe doesn't have a name but might say something interesting. So when you have a, a card like this weekend, um, you know, it's maybe a little bit uh, more tame than, say, like a UFC 276 back in July where you looked at it and you were like, damn, Robbie Lawler's fighting on the prelims. Like, you know, there's mm -hmm. a million people, no matter what they say, we're going to have to go into this event and, and really cover in depth. Um, whereas this week, it's kind of like those three fights at the top. And like, we knew we were going to go in and do those. And then we waited and heard what other people had to say as well. So uh, it's busy, no doubt. There's definitely a difference between a pay-per-view and a fight night as well. Yeah, that that's super true. I mean, you guys at MMA Junkie cover it from all angles and you don't miss a story. You know, everything gets published. Everything's out there. And you guys also provide some really in-depth analysis. So I think people will really enjoy that. Looking for MMA coverage. One thing that I'll say, you mentioned something interesting there where in terms of the media days, like there's always that guy that you just have to write about. Like if it's Usman for this one, obviously the champion's going to get a lot of coverage or whatever. But you were always a guy, and I think what clicked so well at Flow Combat for you was that you didn't care about 
how popular a fighter was. Like you're just genuinely interested in fighters and you would talk to prospects, amateur fighters, low level pro fighters. Like you're just in it for the stories and for the coverage and for respecting these athletes. So I think that's what works so well with us together and what our viewers like our two, four, seven fighting championships, anybody watching or listening, like they'll relate to that on this level. Cause that's regional MMA in a nutshell, right? Like you got to care about these guys on a different kind of level than, whatever you know just being interested in in all the views and everything because it's not about that it's about what they put themselves through their journeys their stories them as human beings is so much more important than anybody wants to give them credit for so you've always been a guy that saw that and i just i don't think i ever really asked you but like why is that why why were you always drawn to that side of fighting versus just doing it for the views and for the popularity kind of thing yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, it's almost kind of like being the first one to kind of tell a story I always think is cool. Like, I think it's it's cool to hear, like, you know, these guys that we hear from every week, you know, hearing from, uh, I'm just trying to think of a fighter, random UFC, like, you know, Gleason Tebow or something when he was in the UFC. Like, we would interview him every media day, but it hit a point where it was like, you know, how much how much is different between these interviews, right? But when you deal with somebody that nobody's ever been introduced to before, regardless of what they give you, it's going to be something that is new. So uh, there's that. But then there's also like, I mean, you look at some of these fighters stories that, that maybe are a little bit more um, unbelievable than others. And, and sometimes you end up, you know, doing an interview and you're like, damn, this is like one of the crazier things I've ever heard of. Like, you know, I, I think the one that comes to my mind was Terrence McKinney. Like, obviously, everybody knows his story now. But I think I, you know, not to like toot my own horn, but I do think I was the first one to publish like a pretty solid feat, like a feature about it. You know, mm -hmm. when he was on the Contender Series the first time when he lost, like there's just I think there's certain stories. There was always I, th I think there was this misperception that just because somebody wasn't popular that to our audience that they wouldn't like some name they never heard of, that they wouldn't care about the story. And mm -hmm. I think that that's been kind of disproven where these guys it could be Joe Schmo Fighter X. And if they have a good story and it gets some traction, people read it and they say, damn, this is crazy it ends up doing better than a lot of people that have names that have, you know, UFC level 10, 12, whatever fights. So uh, it's been a rewarding experience as well. Um, you know, some of these guys, uh, you know, I've interviewed now from the regional scene and their contenders, you know, so it's, it's, it's cool to see that whole growth, man. I really enjoy it. And I think it's pretty, uh, it's pretty true side to the story, to, to the sport, you know, it really is, man. And then there's the interesting, trade-off as well if you'd call it that of like when sometimes you get these lower level guys that end up becoming stars and like they remember that you were one of the guys who cared about them before they were somebody now everybody wants to talk to them but then you establish yourself as one of their go-to guys that they can trust that they have a relationship with and things like that so it's very uh like the traditional journalism ethics kind of go out the window a little bit when you can become friendly with fighters, if you will, like no journalist wants to admit that, but cut, let's be honest, like everybody's got their favorites and the guys that treat them well and, and, you know, have a good relationship with them. And I, I just always think it's interesting when you can follow a guy from the bottom up to the top and then still maintain that relationship all the way through. It's special for the journalists too. And I know you've done that with some guys for sure. You've you're very well connected with the whole new England fight scene. So I just think it's it's interesting, man, to watch guys do that, and I think it's special. I just appreciate that you've always seen the other side of things versus just in it for, you know, other views and, and pure journalism. Like, you've always kind of seen the humanity behind it, so that always resonated. Yeah, for sure, man, and it's one of those things, too. It's like, uh, you know, you say, obviously, guys remember, and I think some people might look at that as, like, a cliche, but they definitely do. You know, I was out in Vegas right before the pandemic, and, uh, you know, I 
I'd interviewed before he was in the UFC, like a, a guy that's in the top 10 in the in featherweight division right now. And I ran into him out there and I'd, I'd only interviewed him, I think before he was in the UFC, I hadn't talked to him for years, but I, we were talking, he was talking to my coworker, John Morgan. And, and I just, you know, I came up, so he introduced me and he was like, Hey man, I remember you interviewed, you were the first person to ever interview me. Like back when, you know, you wrote for some site that probably doesn't exist anymore, which it didn't MMA today is now gonzo but it was cool like I, it was literally a guy I'd, i think i'd done two interviews on before he was in the ufc and he's done all these interviews since then and he remembered so that was neat to hear you know that's really cool man see that's what it's all about man you got to start somewhere you got to respect these guys because as we see you know even our amateur fighters the what they put their bodies through and in a way it's even crazier because they're not getting fight purses like they're literally not getting paid to go out there they're yeah. just they're just either chasing a dream or doing it as a hobby with extremely dire consequences. Like some guys just want to fight because they love martial arts and they want to test themselves, which is crazy to me. Like of all things to do, getting in the cage and fighting to prove it. And like just knowing what they're going through to do it just creates this level of respect that's pretty unbelievable. So, yeah, man, shout out to all the fighters out there. Like I got ridiculous respect for everybody who gets in that cage and does it. And now – going from that into now you're covering the sport at the highest level and have been covering the sport at the highest level and getting to see like these true professional athletes going at it. What's that process been like for you, man? Because just like a fighter, it feels like you've kind of climbed your way up as well. Yeah, it's been neat. I'm, you know, it's one of those things um, that I definitely like take a step back once in a while. And I'm just kind of like puzzled by the whole thing. Like, it's just kind of like, Sure, it happens gradually over time. And, you know, maybe you have a big opportunity here and a big one there. And then those become normal. And then you have another bigger opportunity. And so just I think it's important to kind of take a step back sometimes and think like this is I'm pretty privileged to be able to do this. And being around the fighters, like you said, I mean, they're just they're the most fascinating people ever. I mean, just when you think that you've seen all the characters and stuff, somebody comes out of the woodwork and you're some from somewhere that's somewhere that you don't necessarily know. Uh, whether the, whether it's a small change or a big one, and just to be able to tell some of these stories, it seemed like a never-ending, uh, never-ending process of just and 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 being able to learn about life through fighting too. There's a lot of things that I think uh, coincide, like you know stuff that I've learned about drug testing, about uh, you know geography, about like legal stuff. Stuff's going on with Cain Velasquez now. I'm sitting around reading you know 400-page legal things like. There's just so many aspects of life that I would have never like delved into or really had any idea what was going on if it wasn't for the sport. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a privilege. It's been cool. And it's given me a lot of respect for it for these guys that go in there and uh, really are, are a different breed of, of human being. Yeah, man, there's a really interesting balance there, too. And I think Jared Gordon, I just saw his comments from Media Day. That was extremely interesting, his response when somebody asked him whatever the exact question was, how, how MMA has made his life better. And he was essentially like, MMA hasn't made my life better. It's made it worse. And he was just so real about the anxiety and everything that goes into it. And like the things that are fulfilling to him, family time, being able to help others, like these things that actually give him a purpose in life. He essentially views the UFC as, you know, a platform to do those other things that he's passionate about. And I thought it was one of the realest answers that anybody's ever given in a press conference man you don't normally get that level of candor from people in a response so shout out to jared gordon for that response that was awesome and like he's like he's he mentioned a few times like i do love mma in ways and like i love competing i'm thankful for it it was nothing like that but he just kept it super real and and tied it back like we said like the humanity of it all he tied it back in a really powerful way 
Yeah, no doubt. It, it, you know, I think listening to some of the media day, sometimes it's like having a song on in the background and you can hear it and you know which way it's going to go. And when he said that, it was almost like the song had a different, you know, verse or something. It kind of really mm -hmm. caught my attention. It was an answer that went in a totally different direction than I expected. So um, I really do, you know, appreciate guys when they're honest. I get sometimes it's difficult to be like, you know, being in the public eye. There's certain scenarios guys are like, you know, what's the reward in saying something that's going to catch a lot of attention. But anytime somebody does say something that's that honest, I mean, it's it's definitely something that's worth covering and worth uh, people listening to. I mean, that's the whole point of what we do is to, to get people's messages out. And I thought that was a really interesting uh, sequence, like you said, there. probably probably the most interesting for me today for me. I would say so. And well, I would besides say besides Luke Rockhold, but so I was, I was just yeah, <laughs> stealing, my, stealing my segue, Nolan. But yeah, yeah I, was, I was just going to say, like, speaking of keeping it real, probably the most popular guy in media day was Luke Rockhold. I'm sure like as, in terms of views and stuff on your site, I'm sure you can attest that his comments are getting a lot of traction. So I want to jump right into the card on that level of co-main event between Paula Costa and Luke Rockhold. Convince me, Nolan, convince me that Paulo is not going to knock Luke out in the first round because that's all I can possibly see happening here. No, I'm not going to convince you otherwise because that's my <laughs> prediction as well. But if, you know, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, these guys, it's funny, right? Like I know, I know what's going on here. I know I can get suckered into to a fight through trash talk. And that's what happened to me with this one. Like when it was first announced, I was like, oh man, I want them to give Luke just like, give him a step back, give him a vet, somebody that's not like a contender right now. He hasn't fought for three years. The last time he went in there was ugly. Really didn't love the matchup. Now I'm kind of about it. Like, I think those guys totally, you know, did their job at the press conference yesterday. Came off, like, authentic. You know, they didn't necessarily uh, do anything too cringy like we've seen in the past sometimes when guys get involved with trash talk. Um, but it's made me interested, man. You know, I, I think Luke uh, looked really good. This is my one thing I will say. He looked very good at weigh-ins today. I was a little bit interested to see how he would look back at uh, at middleweight, but I thought he looked really good. He looked healthy. He looked, uh, you know, energetic up there on the scales, and obviously he's fighting with a little bit of an edge. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he'll go in there and, and be a little bit more aggressive than he usually is, and a little more confident, and maybe not as confident as when he fought Michael Bisping the second time and got knocked out. We don't want that, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, who knows? If he goes out there and, and, and finishes Paulo Costa, I mean, it will definitely be interesting coming on the heels of, of his, uh, you know, his comments leading up to this fight for sure dude and i think you know we're not affiliated with any betting service or anything but i like looking at fight odds anyway just to see what people are thinking what's going on there is i will say luke rockhold by submission with 10 to 1 odds on that i kind of like it i kind of like that if he can wear costa out and get the fight there dude rockhold's grappling remains elite like his grappling has been slept on his entire career that's an intriguing bet to me. I'm not saying I would take it necessarily, but if it happened, I wouldn't be like totally shocked. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, I think obviously Luke, we, we've seen it with guys like Glover Teixeira and some others, like those guys that have just trained for so long, the fundamentals, the guys you'd play pickup basketball with back in the day and they'd be like 50, but they would be draining because they knew all the fundamentals to the game, similar thing going on there. So I think he definitely has that, that sort of advantage. And um, the other thing I was thinking too, like, Obviously, people look at a layoff and more times than not, they view it as rust. But for a guy that's taken a lot of damage in his career and had a lot of injuries, like maybe it's not necessarily the worst thing that he hasn't been, you know, punched in the head or knocked out in the last couple of years. So I'm interested to see, uh, you know, obviously his submission game, but also on the feet, how he holds up, you know. Not only that, but kind of somebody at his level, you talk about rust, like 
he's had he has so much experience that I don't even know that rust exists for somebody at that point. Like he's done it so long that it might not even affect him the way they would affect a younger fighter taking a long layoff or whatever. Like he's already, I think we can agree, past his athletic prime one way or another. Like you said, he's kind of got that old man game going for him now, which is crazy. But that's the truth of it. Like this time off, that's an interesting point that I haven't heard many people make that the time off may actually benefit him. And I see that. I just think this is definitely a tough matchup for him against a guy who, you know, hits extremely hard. That's that's a bad matchup for Luke Rockhold. Yeah, I mean, that's really the bottom line right there is like, again, I, I don't I could I could see maybe Luke beating somebody in the rankings. I could see him coming in and getting a win. But um, yeah, I I would have a hard time. It would be a real mental gymnastic for me to, to pick him in this fight. Yeah, I totally agree. And then just kind of bumping up to the main event real fast. I feel exactly the same. Like picking Leon Edwards, I just I can't see it, dude. I can't talk myself into it. So what am I am I missing something? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. You know, I think uh Leon's finally gotten his respect. I think just the fact that there's like this weird effect sometimes where a guy's overlooked, but then people say he's overlooked so much that like that's no longer true. You know, if somebody really right. overlooked if Dana's asked about him every single time, you know. Why is Leon Edwards being overlooked like every time Usman gets brought up? So I don't think he's overlooked anymore. I think he's getting the respect he deserves. Um, obviously, the win streak is impressive. I will say the thing about it is I don't think a lot of those wins have necessarily aged well. It's not like you look at it and you're like, oh, damn, he beat all these guys before we knew how good they were. Like, it's more like the other way. It's more like, damn, he beat these guys that kind of kind of went downhill a little bit afterwards. So uh, I think it'll be competitive. I think Leon is an elite welterweight, but I think Usman's it's it's Usman above everyone. Colby's kind of by himself as well. And then you got, I guess we'll see what Chimaev has to offer as well. Maybe he can start being in those conversations if he beats Nate. But I have a yep. tough time seeing uh, Kamaru, you know, fighting anyone 10 times and not winning 10 times with the exception of Colby or, or maybe Hamzat. It's kind of crazy. And I'm right with you. I mean, he's he's at that level that I think people will remember GSP getting to that level too. And to be fair, you know, GSP looked that way until, you know, Matt Sarah caught him or until – Johnny Hendricks arguably beat him like everybody kind of has that point where they do seem invincible until they're not like that's that's MMA in a nutshell right there like nobody kind of just remains undefeated forever unless you're Khabib or John Jones so right. <laughs> and even John Jones has some question marks on some of his later fights so it's tough dude it, to be yeah and people I mean people yeah. criticize Khabib too you can't win <laughs> you know <laughs> oh he, he jumped out he would he fight he didn't defend his title as much as GSP or Anderson so there's no perfect scenario, man. You know, obviously, uh, this MMA game is cruel, and it's just a matter of who gets out a little less scathed than others at the end of the day. Yeah. Kamaru, for me, the thing that sets him apart is just his game itself, his skill set is just so perfect, in my opinion. Like, if you want to build a fighter that can play it safe and also be devastating when he needs to be action-packed when he needs to be, he's like GSP with a little more power in my eyes, and it's a really good uh, obviously it works pretty well inside the cage for him. So it's just hard for me to see where somebody's going to piece him up or tear him apart. I guess people picking Leon is the argument that he'll be able to keep the fight standing and pick him apart on the feet. Like that's all that I could even remotely see in Leon's favor. Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't see any other path to victory. I think that Kamaru um, is really operating on another level at this point. I like the, I actually like the GSP comparison in like you just mentioned, like in technique in the stuff he brings to the cage, not just like, oh, the fact there might be the two greatest welter, you know, they're the two greatest welterweights ever. Um, but it'll be interesting, man. I think obviously uh, 
this is Leon's shot. I think um, I don't want to say that it'll be the only time he gets a title fight, but thinking about how hard it was for him to get this first one, he's got to capitalize on it. I'm sure he's not stupid. He knows that and he'll be giving it his all. And then for Kamaru, I think, you know, the, the fight against him, him and everybody said Colby Covington was uh, was his perfect foil, the villain he needed, all that stuff. I think we're going to be that's going to be proven true for the time. But in the long term, I think Chimaev is going to be his money fight, man. I think that's going to be one people really dig into. The hardcores are going to dig in. And then also, I think, ramifications outside of our little bubble as well. Yeah, Chimaev is definitely the guy that I see in that weight class that I look at. And I'm like, all right, he might he might be a problem. He might be the guy. He might actually have what it takes. So his fight against Nate is obviously going to tell a lot towards that. But again... We talk about Leon Edwards' wins not aging very well. His last win was also Nate Diaz. So what does beating Nate Diaz even mean at this point? I don't know. I don't know if it really means what it once did. Yeah, I mean, it's just another rep. I guess we get to see him for a little bit more than we've seen him. I think, honestly, the Gilbert Burns fight was like, that was very pro- – Like it's not like this is the Conor McGregor thing where you know he's going into a fight against Aldo or Chad Mendez and we're like, the last guy he beat was Dennis Seaver. Like we have Shamayev has, we have like the sample of him fighting an elite welterweight and what can happen. So mm-hmm. uh, I think this is kind of a weird, just like momentum builder UFC trying to maximize on, uh, you know, kind of recklessly like use Nate's star power. Who can we boost up? Who can we give the biggest boost to? Because we're not going to have Nate anymore. We don't care about his star power in the, in the, the short term, who are we going to give it to? And I think that it's just trying to get Shamayev people more aware of him and, I guess it will do that trick. I think it's going to be a big fight if it happens. Yeah, man, I completely agree. So I think we agree on the main and co-main. I want you to give me one more fight on this card that just has your attention. Like, what's the fight that you think people can't miss tomorrow night? Oh, I mean, come on, man. Jose Aldo and Marab. I know it's it's like chronological order here that we're just picking the top three. But to me, having a guy with some of the best takedown defense ever. I mean, who has like a like a highlight reel of takedown defense? If you go to YouTube, True. Jose Aldo has one, and it's it's interesting to watch to see his balance and guys trying to like you know essentially Frankie Edgar like face planting at times with Aldo sticking his leg like slipping his leg out. So mm-hmm. for him to fight a guy like Marab who's got you know bantamweight takedown records, I think that's stylistically fascinating. And then you add in the fact that this is a big fight for the division, potential title implications on the line. Anytime you see a legend like Jose Aldo fight, it's interesting to begin with. So all three of those layers, man, I think that this is the fight. If you were to be like, which one are you most excited for? You feel like internally is your biggest, most, you know, fight that you, that you are invested in. I would pick that one. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that like, for some reason, Jose Aldo felt like he was washed at one point. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying that. Like when Peter Yan tore him up, like it felt like his time was over. And now he's just rattled off wins over top quality guys. And it's like, he might not be dead yet. Like Jose might still be just as good as ever. Like it's amazing how he just will not go away. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's crazy it's, through weight classes, through generations of fighters, like all these guys, contenders come and go. And this dude's still, still remaining. And um, if you, I think it's kind of the opposite of what we said with Leon, like, if you go back and look at his losses in retrospect, they don't seem as bad as they did at the time. You know, that they, they were budding champions. They were budding Max Holloway, a budding Peter Yan. Like those are, are, are good names. Now we know how good those guys are. And really the only one was Marias, the, the split decision loss that a lot of people thought was a, a bad uh, judge's decision. So for me, I think Jose Aldo still a lead. I would love to, I mean, he, him and his coaching staff must just, their I, fight IQs must be off the charts for them to be able to adjust throughout all the years in, in technique and game planning and strategy, weight cuts, all that stuff. So it's, it's just a real treat 
we're going to miss him when he's gone, you know? Very, very true. So like you were saying, I mean, his resume is crazy. Like the back-to-back to Max Holloway, obviously, that proved to just be a horrible matchup for Jose. But then solid wins here. These three losses, obviously, you just touched on it. And Marias, like debatable whether he actually lost that. But Peter Jan and Volkanovsky, like zero shame in losing to either of those guys. And now the three wins, though, are what stand out the most to me. Like these are top-level dudes and have – like we talk about Leon Edwards's wins, not aging. Well, these wins have aged really well. <laughs> like yeah. these are guys, these are guys that still look good in retrospect and Cheeto Vera, obviously emerging as one of the best in the division. So it's crazy, dude, this is a heck of a matchup. Like at the end of the day, I got to ask you for a prediction, obviously, like how do you actually see it panning out? Cause just like the, the first two, we talked about, you know, the Rockhold fight and obviously the main event, like I see pretty clear, pretty decisive winners in those ones. This one, yeah, no, I can talk myself into pretty much any result in this one. Yeah, I, I can as well. And you know, my least my least confident pick of the three we talked about for sure by a mile. But I'm gonna have to lean with Aldo. I just think again, um, I have a tendency. If you look at my picks over time, sometimes it's come back to bite me in the butt, a la Jose Aldo, Conor McGregor. But <laughs> I always seem to side with the guy that like I know is tried and true, who's been there, who's fought elite. We know what to get out of him. And, and Marab, this is a huge step up. You know, no offense. He has some wins over notable people as well, over Marlon Marias and others. But for me, I think that this one uh, against Aldo is, is is a whole nother level. And I can tell you Aldo's ready for Marab. I'm just not sure if Marab's ready for Aldo. And that's why I'm going to say Aldo wins by decision. Nice. I like it, man. I love the pick. We got a we got a little fan question here for you. Bonus question. The O'Malley-Yon right. fight. Like, how do you see O'Malley-Yon going? I mean, in, in my head, like right off the bat when this was announced, I thought, damn, you know, Piotr's going to kill him. And and we'll see, like, over time, again, I'm a sucker. So I'm sure the more I think about it, I'll start to think about O'Malley and what he brings to the table and if he can do it. But to me, I, I just think stylistically it's about as tough of a fight in that division uh, for him as you could think of. And, and that's a lot of times people will say, oh, what if you fought a wrestler or somebody to take him down? But for me, it's like I think Piotr, Piotr Jan is a better striker than Sean O'Malley in pretty much every facet. So for, for me, it's it's uh, it's almost like he's kind of beating him at his own game, which I think is kind of a, a, a scary threat at times as well. Um, with a with a really good grappler, Sean O'Malley would always have that that knockout threat, right? I'm sure he's mm-hmm. got it against Piotr Jan, but Jan is on paper a better striker than him. So um, I don't know what other weapons or, or things that O'Malley could pull out of his arsenal if, if things went south. Uh, but I, I do feel pretty confident in saying I think that Jan's gonna gonna win the fight. We'll say I'll give I'll give Sean O'Malley some street cred here. I'll say that Jan gets it done by decision. Nice, there you go, street cred. I like that, dude. I think I'm a little like I'm higher on O'Malley than a lot of people. I think I, when I watch him fight, I see somebody that's like genuinely special, and I'm not even talking skill for skill it's just the way he moves the way he switches stances how comfortable he looks everywhere just feels special to me he feels like the kind of guy that like the better his opponent gets the better he will also get he just strikes me as that kind of guy that can like rise to the level of his opponent which kind of you know it remains to be seen to a certain level but i think the more pressure that somebody can apply to him and the more somebody can threaten him, the more he can exploit them and look even better in return. So that's how I see O'Malley. Honestly, I, I, I agree with you, though, that on paper it's a bad matchup in terms of, you know, if you were going to beat O'Malley, this is probably the guy like Taylor made to do it. But I still think O'Malley's got a different level that we haven't seen yet, man. I really do. I rewatched that Cheeto Vera fight actually recently, and obviously that's his one loss, but – O'Malley gets so much flack for saying that he doesn't count it as a loss, but dude, 
I don't either. <laughs> like, like you can't objectively watch that fight and conclude that O'Malley wasn't clearly winning and clearly in control before his foot and leg gave out on it. Like that matters. That matters to me for sure. So I don't know, man, it remains to be seen. I think that's, what's exciting about O'Malley is that it remains to be seen exactly how good he is, but this is definitely the fight where we're about to find out. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, the Bantamweight division right now is is so good and there's so many contender fights coming up and there's a lot of fresh matchups. I mean, even with the champion, it's, you know, Dillashaw has been around for a while, but the drug suspension, you know, we lost a lot of fights and matchups in that time. And then conversely, Aljo kind of had a unique like rise up the ladder where some of the guys he fought were like the Brian Caraways of the world and, and people like that. So there's a lot, regardless of scenario, there's a lot of matchups that could be the next title fight. But I think if Sean O'Malley wins, I almost say like, regardless of what else happens, like in the Aldo fight and, and everything else, like regardless of who wins Dillashaw Sterling, it's got to be O'Malley that's going to get, I mean, that's why the UFC's putting him in this, this matchup, right? Absolutely. It's, I yeah. mean, it obviously looks that way from afar and I can't, I can't imagine anything else happening there. I think that's a pretty obvious fight to put together. And it'd be an interesting matchup either way. That's the good thing about the Bantamweight division in general is like, you can, shuffle that deck anywhere in the top 10 certainly the top five just shuffle the deck and put a matchup together and it's an amazing fight like the the level of talent in that division right now is just absolutely absurd yeah and it stretches across the whole sport i mean you know bellator's obviously got their bantamweight grand prix and I, we like to you know people always like to talk about which bellator fighters would succeed in the ufc i think that their bantamweight division has a few names there too so i don't know if this is going to be like the new lightweight you know where it used to be mm -hmm. that just the human body a lot of the athletes would just that's what they would be their their cut weight you know um so it's interesting to see like maybe now the sport over time for some reason smaller guys have gotten involved and, and here we are but I, I think bantamweight's just super healthy man across the board it's true dude and i don't think like i haven't been a bantamweight since like sixth grade probably when's the last time <laughs> you've when's the last time you've touched 135 bantamweight jesus i yeah i don't know man i uh you know i, I was at probably I don't think I've ever gotten in my adult life anywhere close to featherweight or I thought, you know, I teetered into the lightweight range, but um, so I'd probably fight at bantamweight. That would probably be mine. Shed 20 pounds, 25 pounds and be good to go. Cut cat. Great. Yeah. Love it, dude. You'd be shredded, son. I love it. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for anybody who wants to follow Nolan, I would say Twitter, but I'll, I'll let you plug anything else you got going on, but your Twitter is always popping. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. You guys can follow me right there. You see my account and Instagram. I'm, I'm building up a little bit as well at Nolan King MMA. Follow MMA Junkie. And I also do some stuff for Tapology. Those guys over there, I love them as well. And uh, tomorrow I'll have a, a feature coming out on a, uh, you were talking earlier about maybe some of the unknown fighters, but somebody on the prelims from UFC 278, who I did like, a, I talked to for 30, 45 minutes the other day, kind of about his journey. Um, so that'll be coming out. And then I want to plug you, man. I mean, People don't know this, but behind the scenes, you've done a lot for me in my career. And if you go through influences that I've had, I mean, there's there's very few, if not anybody else that stuck out more than you. So I appreciate uh, everything that you've done. You're killing it now in the, the, the promoting world, I know, and everything else you got going on. But we definitely miss you over here on the uh, the reporting side as well, man. Well, thanks, dude. That means a lot. The kind words got me, you know, ch you're choking me up a little bit here, Nolan, but I appreciate that, man. <laughs> you're always awesome. Awesome to work with. And I can genuinely say that like, 
watching you do your thing and keep climbing and keep growing has been one of the most like satisfying professional feelings I've had. Like it's been so cool to watch you just keep taking those steps. So keep making us proud, brother. And we got to, we got to get you down to a two, four, seven show. I think we need some like real coverage from Nolan King. <laughs> yeah, man. If I, you know who I'm hitting up, the, if I ever end up in the neck of in your neck of the woods, you know, I'm hitting up first, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll yeah, get a beer yeah. and then get a beer and then watch some fights. Yeah. Sounds like a, a perfect plan, dude. But, uh, yeah, keep uh, keep representing, man. The uh, the flow combat, you know, might not be uh, might not be what it once was, but it still lives on, you know. For real, it, it's <laughs> yeah. dude. The alumni there, it's gonna be like ten years from now. We'll be able to look back and look at the alumni and be like, "Damn, son!" Like everybody yeah, was Lynch there is, at one Lynch point. Lynch is killing it. Damon was there when I was there. I'm sure you guys had people come and go before that. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's good stuff, man. It's uh, it's, I always say it's too bad that there's not more uh, middle ground, you know, opportunities for people. I think that that was True. a uh, very respected outlet but you know i could do freelance for it and was, i don't know we could talk about yeah. this off there but uh definitely it was, it was we'll good have, stuff man we'll have another like mma journalist uh convention kind of art uh, kind of podcast for people down the road just uncover all the secrets of the industry <laughs> yeah, yeah oh yeah yeah sorry right on, on uh, only fans <laughs> yeah we'll put it behind a paywall for sure yeah yeah and, and we'll all like have bare feet in it that's part of the podcast oh, yeah. it's like there's I hear a, that makes you a lot of money yeah, there's a there'll be a camera just on our bare feet for people that you can switch to. So we're here for the people, yeah. dude. Two four seven fighting here for the people. <laughs> but thanks for joining, brother. We love you, even though you're from Boston and New England. We don't hold that against you, and we appreciate you jumping on, dude. All right, dude. Anytime. Thanks, dog. Sure, man. Take care, brother. Later. Later. So that was Nolan King. Everybody just joined us live there to talk about UFC two seventy eight. Let me know who you guys are going to pick. Comment. Let it, let me know where we were wrong, because I think Nolan and I have been doing this MMA thing for a while. We know some stuff, but we don't know everything. Like Dylan Cole, even at the amusement park, shout out to him. He stayed watching and said, don't sleep on Luke Rockhold. So he is the one guy believing in Luke Rockhold, and I appreciate that. If he's right, he's going to look like a super genius. So that's awesome. I love it. Thank you guys for joining for another episode. We'll see you next week. And if you missed last week, we made an announcement that we are working on a brand new podcast studio. It'll be in person, brand new look, brand new feel, higher quality video, higher quality audio, higher quality everything. We are straight up going for it and it's going to be awesome. So the next time, maybe not the next time you see us, but soon. Soon, the podcast is going to have a brand new look and feel, and you guys are going to love it. We're extremely excited to unveil that. And we got, like, at the end of the podcast, we got everybody chiming in with their hot takes. TJ Timbo saying Leon Edwards is going to shock everybody and take the belt. Hey, you and Dylan got the underdogs covered between Rockhold and Leon. I don't see it, but we'll. that's why we watch. We're still going to watch, and anything can happen inside that cage, as we've seen so many times. So, Thank you all for hopping on and joining. Thank you, Dylan, for hopping on for a second live from Dorney Park. Nolan King, MMA junkie. Go follow him. Obviously, he's an amazing reporter, awesome news, great writer. Everything he does is just so quality. And as you just heard and perhaps saw, just a really solid all-around dude, too. One of the good guys we're supporting. So go give him a follow and a shout. And thank you guys for joining again. Go share the podcast. Tell your friends about 247 Fighting Championships because we are not slowing down, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm very excited for what's coming down in the future. So we'll see you then. And we'll see you next week.